Welcome to this week's episode of the Robo Falcons podcast, the official podcast of the Frost Robo Falcons robotics teams. I'm your host, Jason, and I am joined, as always, by Frost Robo Falcons team member, Asher, who also happens to be my son. Hello again. All right, Ash. Again, thank you for being here. Of course. Not that you had much of a choice. <laughs> All right. Uh, we are joined this week. Uh, our mentor guest is James. Uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Um, so we'll start with kind of the, the overview of things. Like, what is your role here? Sure. Yep. So my role is the uh, the head coach. So um, as people may know now, we have two teams at Frost this year, 10-136 and 16-408. And um, I've been roped in to be the, the head coach for both of those teams. So we're always looking for people to join. But uh, as of right now, I'm the, the coach for both. Roped in. I feel like you volunteer. <laughs> I do enjoy doing this, so yeah. for sure. Yeah, Yeah. I, f- I feel like you'd have to have some level of enjoyment in order to contribute. I, I would say you contribute far more than really anybody else here, so you clearly have some kind of love for it. I do have a big passion for it. It's uh, the competitive part of the, the competitions, but then seeing the students uh, learn and being able to teach them something. Um, at the beginning of the season, when we see the new challenge every year, it's always, you know, what's it going to be? How's the robot going to do? And your mind just instantly starts going into overdrive of thinking of solutions for things. So, yeah, that, that type of challenge is, is uh, rewarding and, uh, and a fun thing to, uh, to work on. I assume you didn't just stumble upon this. Uh, kind of did. Um, okay. It actually first started with my son, um, who's now um, off in college, um, his freshman year. But uh, it started with him, um, and he was on the Robo Raptors team. It was kind of like an all-city team that started because um, there was such a strong interest in robotics over the years that mm-hmm. didn't really have enough teams because the teams are limited to 15 students. They didn't have enough places to put everybody, so they created an all-city team called the, the Robo Raptors. Um, the first several meetings, I just dropped my son off and, and went on my way and, and – and uh, said he was having fun at robotics. And uh, after a few meetings, they're like, hey, Dad, you want to come help? And I'm like, okay, let me stop in and see what it's about. And by the end of the season, I was gung-ho, wanting to go to the competition, trying to get signed up for another event. You know, we, we only signed up for one event. And uh, after that first event, I'm like, we, we need to do more. We didn't make it to States. We did really well that year, but we, we didn't make it to States. I'm like, we put all this effort in building a robot. We, we need to go to another event. Um, there was still one more week of qualifying left, and we called everybody. We even showed up in an event hoping they would have a spot. Someone else might not have showed up, and we were going to be there ready to go. Um, it didn't, didn't pan out that way, so um, that was kind of the end of that season. Uh, we did end up signing up for some spring events, so those don't help you qualify to go to states, but um, it was still some some fun competition with the robot. But there was still a several-month gap in between there, so even took that time to, to make the robot better and just kind of been hooked ever since. I mean, what, what was it? What was it that really hooked you? Was it the competition aspect, the building? What, what was it? Probably everything. Um, prior to being in robotics in, uh, in college, I worked on uh, things called SAE, Mini Baja and Formula SAE. Okay. Um, it's where students design, build, and then get to race um, vehicles against other colleges from around the world. Um, so that really got me excited to, um, to be able to, um, like I say, compete in an engineering competition and um, and compete with other people around the world, and, and it's just kind of a, a natural progression as my family grows and have kids that we're doing it. You know, not in college anymore, so I can't compete in those mini right. behind formula stuff. But uh, um, th- this was kind of a, a way to continue um, engineering competitions. And, and I would assume engineering is your background. Yes. Yep. Mechanical engineer. So got my uh, bachelor's from uh, Michigan Tech and uh, my master's from U of M Dearborn. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and then you still, I would assume, do uh, uh, RC. 
not necessarily races, but building the cars and things. Yep, yep. So still uh, another hobby that we had was uh, remote control cars. Yep. So uh, me and my son raced remote control cars for quite a few years. I did it when I was younger. Yeah. In college, didn't have the the place to do it, so kind of lost a little bit of interest, had a family. Um, but then shortly after that, uh, um, we, we got to go back to racing RC cars, and that was fun. So, so um, how many hours do you spend working on robotics or just this whole field in general? So that can vary. Um, even, you know, we've got our meetings that we're hosting here several times a week, but um, even at home I'm, I'm working on things, um, trying to figure out ways to uh, find parts to make the robot better, um, doing research, um, looking online at other people's, watching uh, other teams compete and um, other reveal videos and robot in three days and, and robot in 30 hours. Um, so I do spend a fair amount of time uh, uh, researching other teams and, and how they're competing to try and learn from them. Um, to put an actual hour on it, I don't know if I have an estimate, but um, it, it's probably more more than it should be. But when it's a fun hobby, it, uh, it it's okay. So uh, what is your role on the robotics teams? Um, I'm the head coach. So what, what does that mean? Um, so I'm responsible to just make sure that the, the robots are built on time. We've got different squads that are keeping busy, uh, making sure that we're signed up for an event, um, taking care of all the logistics of, of getting to the events, registration for the events, um, in charge of fundraising, making sure we have a, a team uh, sustainability, uh, trying to rope in other mentors to help build it because you can't do it all yourself. So um, it, it's kind of an all-encompassing job of, of keeping the team going. So from that aspect, what, what typically, I mean, obviously that's a lot of stuff to balance. Like, how do you just in your head compartmentalize all that stuff and, and, and you know, balance all that out? Yeah, it's, it's a challenge, that's for sure. Um, I, I think just probably now it's relying on some experience since I've been doing this for um, several years now. I think this is probably my sixth or seventh year yeah. uh, of working on this. Um, I, I think just the experience helps you rely on, okay, I know we got to do this. I know we've got to get um, some prototypes. we got to get the kids um, making mechanisms. we can got to get the um, coding kids learning the software and how to how to use the software and, and make programs. So just knowing there's different phases that you got to get kicked off at different times and um, trying to get it all pulled together. But it's probably just relying on the experience over the years to know what time frame we should be at to have what done. Um, if, if you've got a competition in a week and you've never drove the robot, chances are it's probably not going to perform to what you envisioned in your head. Um, so having a robot done early and then improving it as time goes on is, is really important to, to trying to have a successful team and a successful robot. Speaking of, of envisioning, when we... You know, when I first got here and started showing up to meetings, we had nothing. We had you handed us a, a box of parts, and you said, "Here, build this linear slide, build this, you know, chassis, whatever." Yep. And I didn't see it. Didn't seem as if we had any kind of particular direction we were going. And then the next week, I showed up, and there was almost a fully formed robot sitting right there on the counter that you had brought in. Like, how, how do you? Where, where does your inspiration come from for all that? Yeah, so that's why I, I think watching other teams online, you know, a lot of people share their designs. Um, we try and share our designs, too, as we're working on things. And, um, you know, it's not just about being the competitive side. It's also about teaching others. So when you know, know, and if you don't know, teach. Um, or, or when you don't, when you know, teach. If you don't know, learn. Um, so that aspect of it, um, you just see what's out there, see what's working, and then try it. And uh, with the, the parts that we have, we're able to build a lot of mechanisms and a lot of prototypes. Um, yeah, so at the beginning of the season, I don't think a lot of us knew what direction we were going to go. This year's game element's a little small hexagon. Um, and how do you pick that up and how you put it in the place to score on the, on the backdrop is, is a challenge. You know, every year it's a new challenge. You have no idea how to pick up that piece or that game element. 
Um, so just making a lot of prototypes and then putting them together. But there was a few core pieces that we knew that we'd have to have. You know, the chassis of the robot, we know we're going to have to have, you know, four wheels. We weren't going to go anything completely exotic on, on a chassis. So let's get the kids building um, known mechanisms so that they get an idea of where parts are at, learn our way even around the shop. You know, we have our new building here. Um, and nobody knows where everything's at. Nobody knows. You know, it's all new to us. So that, that's a little bit of an added challenge. Um, but just having the kids learn how to build mechanisms um, with directions and how things go together and how to assemble them so that when you do get to the prototype stage, you're like, oh, I can, I know what pieces we have and I got an idea of how to put this together and go look through our parts boxes and, and um, find ways to, to build things without... Um, um, having to um, completely design everything up and, and just being able to take parts like an erector set and say, okay, I need some screws and I need some brackets and I need some some bars to do this and, and bolt it together and, and test it. So um, ideally we'd draw it up in CAD first, but, um, you know, we're, we're still working with middle school students. Some have some CAD interest, but um, um, not having the ability to, to completely design it in CAD first, just being able to, to build it with the with this, um, like say our erector set parts that we have, it's, it's a lot of our parts are from a company called Go Builda mm -hmm. that makes parts um, not specifically for FTC, but they're certainly geared towards functioning very well at the FTC competitions. Yeah, so it, so it, it seemed like I mean I don't want to say a modular design, but it was you know set mechanisms kind of combined together to accomplish whatever particular goal we were going for. Yep. I knew that there would be certain mechanisms that would work better than others. Um, when we're trying to score something up in the air, having some linear slides, we're going to be fast. Um, and, and Go Build us happened to have ones that we knew that would um, work well for that from what we had used on last year's robot. It also had to pick up uh, cones and put them on a pole up in the air. So we knew how to move elements up and down in the air, and we wanted to use these linear slides. So having the kids build the linear slides and then figure out the, uh, the most efficient way to integrate them onto the chassis. So experience seems to play a lot into kind of the efficiency of how we get this, get all this done. Yep. Yep. For sure. For, for me, at least knowing that, um, like I say, having the core pieces, having a chassis done, having a linear slide together, and then yep. figure out how to integrate that onto the chassis in the most efficient way. Um, when the students were working by themselves on it, they, they bolted it together. They got it put on the, on the robot. But when we looked at one mechanism, I think it took them uh, about 18 different pieces and brackets to bolt it to the frame. Um, when I focused on it and came up with a, a more simplified design, I think I was able to get it down to like five pieces. And that helps with, one, the cost, the weight, the serviceability of it. So trying to migrate from a, maybe a prototype that's, that's not refined to something that is more refined is uh, is the ultimate goal there? So when we go to competition, it's easier to work on. You have less pieces, and you know you have some serviceability in there. They're they're robots that get beat up on the field a little bit and, and wear and tear, and um, being able to fix them in a hurry, um, you don't have a lot of time between the matches. So being able to fix stuff quickly is uh, can be a huge benefit. So yeah, simplicity one, is key. Yeah, that was one of the things I noticed in, in the pits is there's a not a lot of room, um, and you know you kind of have to have everything on hand. In order to make things, you can't go out and get things. There's no time to do that. Yeah, yeah. Between matches, you have several minutes at best. Yeah. You know, maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes at most to fix. Um, and with that, you're playing with a, a team you've never heard of before. Probably, you know, you haven't practiced with them, and you got to figure out what your robot does and what their robot does, and how they can work together to try and win the match. Um, so there's a lot of uh, scouting and, and uh, uh, working together with your alliance to make sure that you're you're going to have a uh, 
competitive match and, and not just hit each other and get in the way and they get really frustrated. So communication before the matches is, is extremely important. And like I said, you don't have a lot of time uh, between the, the matches for that to happen. Speaking of the games and the matches, this seems like a more difficult game than have, than there have been in the past. Is that accurate? It is. Um, there's the, only the one game element, but picking it up it seems to be a challenge. Um, yeah. It's it's a hard plastic piece with some sharp edges on it, so it's hard to get that off the, the, the foam floor. Um, a, a lot of teams are struggling with that, trying to figure out ways to get them on, on board on the robot and then actually doing something with them to, to get them onto the backdrop. And they're so light um, and they're such an odd shape scoring them on an angle board that you bump it, things can fall off, um, yeah. that, that's a huge challenge. So, yeah, I would say that this game is is uh, definitely unique in, in what it has to do. And then um, to, to make it even more complex this year, they, they put the height limit that, um, you know, in order to be able to transverse the field um, without going through special doors, um, you have to be under um, basically 12 inches. Um, and this is the first time we have to, to make a robot so short um, usually the starting configuration is 18 by 18 by 18 inches, um, but this year with the, the field, the way it's configured, um, there's one element of it that's that's 12 inches, and, and having a robot that's under that 12 inches mark can, can be um, definitely an advantageous um, aspect of your robot so that you're not limited on where you can maneuver on the field. So that's something new, having that big truss across the center. Yeah. Every year there's something new, but sure. this year for sure it's a new thing, having this truss that uh, that takes up the entire span of the field that's uh, height limited. I, I guess I didn't realize that, that that the field was that much different than, yep. than in the past. Yep. It's always the same size. It's yeah. 12 foot by 12 foot, but what they put on it is definitely unique every year. Interesting. All right. Well, as we're wrapping up here, um, there's a couple questions we kind of ask everybody. Sure. Uh, what does gracious professionalism mean to you? Oh, that's always a good question. Obviously, gracious professionalism uh, is one of the, the terms coined by Woody Flowers um, for all of FIRST Robotics. And it just kind of means that you can be um, gracious in how you perform and how you play. Um, whether you win or lose, you know, take it for what it is and, and enjoy the moment on that. And then the professional side of it is we're learning to be engineers or learning to, to work in a professional environment with kids. So you have uh, the, the competitive side and the gracious side when things don't go your way. The final question we like to ask everybody is, if you were to sell this to somebody, if you were to say, hey, come join the team, trying to recruit somebody, how would you recruit it to them? What would you, what would you highlight to them? I think that kids are the biggest um, promoters of it, right? You know, they're the ones that are in the classrooms that get to talk about their, you know, what you work on last night or what you work on over the weekend? And like, oh, we built a robot, you know, and the robot does things and it moves around the field and there's an autonomous portion and then the driver controls things and we're shooting paper airplanes. So um, just the, the fun aspect of it, I think letting the kids be the voice of it. Um, you know, it's not like you have to, to push the kids to come here. They want to be here usually. And I, I think that it speaks for itself. You know, it's just a matter of finding out uh, about the program that it even exists is, is the uh, all you need to do once you hear about it. And if you have an interest in it, 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 it sells itself. What about selling it to parents? Trying to get them involved. The parents is always the tricky part. You know, we could obviously use as many parents as we can for the mentors. Um, for that, it's it's convincing them that you don't have to be an engineer. You know, it may be an engineering-based competition, but you don't have to be an engineer to, to be able to help and contribute. There's numerous things that um, that we need the parents to help with, and and then it just gives them a chance to uh, to be involved with their family and, and uh, 
come into robotics and, and working with their, their children. They're only, they grow up very quick. I, I found out after my son went to college that, you know, he's not here now. And, and, uh, there's definitely things I, I miss that I wish he was here helping me with. And, uh, you don't, you only have a couple of years of, of school with your kids. So if you can work on a project like this with them, it definitely creates some lasting memories. That's very cool. I, I would absolutely agree with that. Like just, uh, just doing the podcast with Ash and then the previous things that we've done yep. podcast related, you know, you never get more time. Nope. That's nope. the one The one constant. You get more money, you get more things, time is yep. finite. Yep. Um, so to wrap up, anything you want to plug? Uh, no, I think I'm, uh, just uh, if you're able to, to help our team, obviously financial support for our team is, uh-huh. uh, is a huge thing. These uh, robots do take a lot of money. We try and build a, um, a quality robot with the parts, and we've been able to – um, luckily, keep our robots together from past years, so we have a nice little, I guess I'll call it a museum of our, our past robots. So um, in the event that they do reuse a, a game element, you can uh, see how we how we use them in the past or even demo uh, the robots. Uh, we've taken our past robots around. So um, being able to keep those robots together takes money, so the, the financial aspect of it is definitely what I would plug. Yeah, yeah, and I would say as, as far as recruiting tools go, keeping those robots together yeah. uh, is certainly a great recruiting tool, being able to take these Robots and demonstrations for kids. Yep. So, uh, yes, please help us out uh, if you if you find it in your heart or your wallet to to throw some money our way. That'd be great. Uh, so we can do things like host events and give demonstrations and have robots to do those things uh, with with the kids. Um, but I want to thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Uh, and I, I would want to say I appreciate everything you do for the team here. Um, you kind of spearhead everything, take on a lot of responsibility that most of us don't have any kind of depth in understanding <laughs> how to do. Uh, so we really appreciate it. So thanks for being yep. here. I appreciate it. And like I said, it's, it's rewarding to know that people are, are, are grateful and appreciate the, the work that we do here. My next two guests are Aiden and Thomas, uh, members of the various of the two teams that we have here. Oh, yeah. Hi, guys. How are you? Good. Hello. Good. All right. Hi. Thomas, uh, or Thomas, say hi. Hello. Aiden, say hi. Hi. That way they know what your voice is. <clears throat> okay. So, um... How did you become interested in robotics? So a couple of years ago, when I was doing the open house at Frost, when I was coming in as a seventh grader, their robotics team was doing a present or a demonstration there, and it amazed me at how much stuff middle schoolers had done. So I was interested and joined, as well as various other activities, which is driving my mom crazy, but. You guys are a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on? Yeah. Excellent. Thomas, how'd you find out? How'd you, how'd you get into all this? Uh, I also went to an open house and I saw the robotics team and I was surprised like what middle schoolers just could do and what we, what we could just achieve. What did you see specifically there that really kind of sparked your interest? Um, the ability of the robot to just extend and expand beyond its normal area. It's pretty cool to see, right? Yeah. And then it was just a bunch of hey, – uh, you went to this open house. Are you working with some of those kids now? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Aiden, you, you're an eighth grader, right? Yes. Got it. Thomas, you're what's seventh grade? Yes. Got it. So this is your second year, Aiden, your first year, Thomas. Um, what have you noticed now that you're a second year into this, Aiden, that's, that you didn't necessarily have a grasp of the first time around? Uh, or, or maybe we'll couch it this way. What advice would you give Thomas being a year further along than he is in this? Make sure that you're helping the team now and that you're doing things 
So that way you're used to it and it's not like, oh, I have a bunch of more responsibilities that I had so that you can help other members get used to it. Because if you're just thrown into it and you don't do anything, sit on your phone, then it's going to be boring for two years. So really the point is uh, just stay involved. Yeah. Uh, so you'd say there's a, there's a place for everybody here, regardless yes. of what their skill set is. What do you guys like to um, kind of do the most here? Um, I like building the robot. Uh, definitely finding all the ways to complete the goals and trying to space all the mechanical parts together. Um, I like just mainly just jumping around, seeing what other groups are doing. But I also like being on the drive team and trying to help others achieve their goals. Uh, so what is your role on the team? I'm the uh, head of the mechanical group. So uh, I might, um, I build the robot and, uh, and help design the mechanisms and try to fit it all together. Excellent. And is that the only thing you do here? Uh, I'm all, I also drive the robot. Mm-hmm. So there's a difference between driving and controlling, right? Yeah, so there are drivers and operators. Drivers are usually the ones who have some of the more uh, basic functions, such as driving and simple turning things on and off, while operators can uh, move some more of the mechanisms and do more intricate things that are hard to do when you're driving. Got it. And I am. I work with the programming team, and I'm also a drive coach for... One, one, three, six. Okay. And then how has your experience last year helped you this year um, to, to better help out your teammates now? So last year I was one of the few students on the programming team. So I helped others be interested so that there would be more of us. Uh, what are the challenges that you have to overcome to build a successful robot? Like I know that obviously there's not... It's not going to be perfect the first time. There's going to be a lot, a lot of different designs that you have to go through before eventually something works. Well, it's kind of hard to package all the mechanisms in one place because there's a lot you have to do and not much, not much space to do it. Yeah, I believe this year we had a space limit. Uh, I think an eighteen, yeah, by eighteen, 18 by eighteen cube. Yeah. Uh, another difficult thing aspect is. The fact that we have so many students all working on similar goals. So instead of working together, each person is trying to build their own prototype for intake. Instead of all working together on one successful one and having everyone devoted to that, they're all working on different aspects, some of which are not successful. So you've had to kind of divide the labor up so that we can get all, all the work done. Because we mentioned there are, uh, previously in the podcast, there's two teams. There's Frost White yeah. and Frost Black. Which team are you on? Frost Robo Fungs White. And you are on? Uh, Frost Robo Fungs Black. Got it. So two different teams. Um, so you would think two teams working together would have a pretty similar robot, but that's not the case here. Right? So there's the two robots kind of operate a little bit differently. Explain, explain the differences, the two of you, like between the two robots. So on the white team, we have just one linear slide for our arm, mm-hmm. and it will, it's got servos on it that rotate another section of the arm up, as opposed to 16 far away, it, they've got two linear actuators that only move up a certain amount, and they have to turn the robot around after receiving pixels. 
whereas 1136 doesn't have to. And the intakes are different, right? Yeah, so um, like the main holder for the in, for the pixels are similar, but the black teams, we spin, we extend our slot, uh, we just drive into the pixels and take them in. Then when we place them on the backboard, we move them through the other side. While the white team, uh, they take it in through one side, flip their arm around, and then drop it from the same way they took it in. Are there aspects of the other robots uh, that you like better, or do you think, or are you just used to using your own robot now? I think I really like how uh, the Black Teams robot were able to drop pixels one at a time, mm -hmm. which I'm not. Sh I don't think the white team can do. We can do that. It's just a little less reliable. What have you guys learned from being a part of the team? Um, well, a lot of pro like how projects come together because with robotics, like. You've got to do a lot of things in a short time, such as the programming, the imagery, and the mechanical. Mm -hmm. So I really learned uh, that a robot takes a lot of different, a lot of different things to work. Uh, a system takes a lot of different things to work. So there's a lot of like time management involved in putting everything together. Yeah. 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 We have uh, states coming up this weekend, and um, we still have like so many different coding bugs and like upgrades to the robot that we can do and just like driving practice in general. It's hard to get that all in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, uh, are you guys excited for states? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You've experienced it before, right? Yes. So you know what to expect. What, what can we expect when we get there? Uh, a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. A wall dividing the two sections. Okay. Last year was a curtain. I don't know about this year. All in pits in the, uh, fields for competition for both things were all in one gym separated by a curtain and lots of different companies that are sponsoring the states mm -hmm. also they're demonstrating like last year we had people with a bunch of 3d printers because they're a filament store yeah so they were had a bunch there was a robo dog there like the Oh, like the Boston Dynamics yeah, robo that, dogs? they had about yeah okay, that's Boston pretty cool dogs. they had one of those there last year it was awesome those are neat what I noticed is, so our normal competitions that we have, um, it's usually, you know, no more than 32 teams, uh, and it's all in a gym, and there's two fields, and then those 32 teams match up against each other, with each other, however it works, and, you know, they, they get ranking scores and all that stuff. At States, it's two fields of 32 teams, so there's 64 teams there, mm -hmm. and it's divided into two sections, so you'll have one whole section that matches up. And never even sees the other section of teams. Until finals. Until finals. So and you even have, then it's only three from each division. Right. So it's I would imagine it's a lot harder to scout in, luckily, in that aspect. Yeah. Luckily, both teams are, on the, are in the same division. Mm -hmm. So we, we have to do – we don't have to do as much scouting. Our scouting, <clears throat> we can split the work. Yep. And instead of each team having to scout mm -hmm. 31 different teams. That'll be, that'll be uh, a nice uh, – a nice thing for us to not have to define our team yeah. as much as we normally would have to in, in, in a situation like this. So uh, I actually have a question that's a bit off topic, but it kind of relates, I guess. And so I know that uh, pins are a hot commodity since, Thomas, you're wearing a hat that's covered in pins right now. Yeah. yeah. So um, will we be able to go to the other section to get all the pins? Yes. Oh, there is, there's not like security or anything. Stopping. Good. So, I am yeah. also particularly interested in the pins myself. 
Yes, you've asked me to provide you with some kind of lab coat. Yes. <laughs> cover the whole lab coat in pins. Yeah, yeah. Like that one guy had last competition, I think. Yeah. Those yes. are all they... FRC teams. Oh. Yeah. They got both Warriors and Tyros. So. How many pins do you guys think you've collected? I don't actually collect that many pins. Okay. I have like a couple and then our pin from last year. So you're square. So you're a pin pooper? Yeah. Like a party pooper, but you're a pin pooper. <laughs> Thomas, you have, I would say, at least 20 pins right now on your hat. Currently. Maybe, like, at least 60, maybe. Yeah. And you've only been to, what, three competitions? Yeah. That's an insane amount of pins. Yeah. Because, like, all of the teams have pins. And, like, you get all of them. We do. We have pins. Yeah. We just made them. We're making them right now. Yes. Nice. Uh We got 3D pins. Newsflash. So, for all the listeners out there, keep an eye out. We've got pins. They look pretty good, too. We've made our own. 3D printed them and everything. They're pretty sweet. Yeah. Yep. Um, All right. So we're going to – so as we're kind of winding down here, there's a couple questions we ask everybody that's on the podcast. So uh, what does gracious professionalism mean to you? (laughs) Uh, Gracious professionalism is not – is being competitive still, but also helping everyone – like, say, an opponent, one of their wheels falls off during finals. We gave another team, in that exact scenario, we gave them one of our spare mechanic wheels, even though they were our opponent. So it's like being being competitive, but still being a good sport. Yes. What does it mean to you? Uh, really, uh, yeah, being competitive um, and trying to help uh, both you and others uh, grow, really improve your robot improve what you're doing. The other final question, the other question we ask everybody is if you were to walk up to somebody and ask you about robotics and all that stuff, how would you try and convince them to join the robotics team? Yeah, yeah there's a really, yeah, there's a spot for everyone. You can really find a place there. There's lots of things you wouldn't expect, things you didn't think of would happen in robotics, but there's really a lot more than just the surface seeing the robot people driving it. There's a lot more. Every uh, the creative the process of creating the robot individually has so many parts. Designing each part and combining it all together. So there's a place for everybody. Yeah. How would you sell me? Uh, probably I would ask the first ask them what they think robotics is, and then ask them if they're interested in that. And if not, maybe give more examples of other things that they that we do that they didn't mention mm-hmm. and try and hook them in like that. Okay. Excellent. Um, well, guys, thanks for being here. We really appreciate it. Now, for, for, all the, for all the listeners out there, if you want to learn more about FIRST Robotics and, in particular, the two Frost RoboFalcons teams, you can go to LavoniaFirst.org, and uh, there's a section for – there's actually several schools – on that page, the Frost Falcons, uh, Frost Rubble Falcons page is on there. You can click on it, learn all about the two robots we have. Uh, we're going to put some more information up about states and, and, and things like that. And if you want to just learn about the robotics programs in general that are, that are happening all over the world, you can go to firstinspires.org. Uh, you can watch the video of the game that we're playing and the rules and how it's set up. You can also stream the, the live events on Twitch so you can see them as they're happening. States, as a matter of fact, is going to be on Twitch. So you can watch it all day long because it's going to be actually two days worth of events. Uh, so it's going to be pretty fantastic there. Um, and if you have any feedback for us, if you want to 
If you want to reach out to our podcast, you can go to uh, robofalconspodcast at gmail.com and email us. And, uh, and we'll be happy to answer any questions that you have. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, we will see you next week.